Good. How are we all? Great to see you. Wonderful. Great. Well, this morning we are starting a brand new preaching series called In Tune. And it's going to be taking us right the way through, right the way through our Lent season, right up to obviously Easter Sunday. And really all about, as the name suggests, how we can remain in tune with God's heart. I'm going to really use this morning as an introduction to that. Um, I think as a church, you know, a less traditional church, we tend not to tie ourselves in too much to the more traditional church calendar, the liturgical church calendar. But I think Lent is a season which is so helpful to, to really recognize, not in a particularly religious sense, but more in a, a very practical and spiritual sense, because it's all about realigning our lives with God. Traditionally, it's a season of preparation, preparing as we look ahead towards celebrating Easter and all that means for us. It's also a season of, of self-examination, you know, asking those difficult questions, giving an honest appraisal of where we're at, and if necessary, making those adjustments in the light of our relationship with Jesus. It means asking some direct questions. Questions like, are my desires lined up with God's? Does my life actually reflect the faith that I profess? We spent quite a few months looking at faith in a faithful God as we worked our way through the Hebrews series. Does my life actually reflect that faith that I profess? Am I still abiding in Christ? Or, or if I'm really honest, am I mainly living for myself? These are some very direct questions. It's a self-assessment, if you like. Fasting is, is often associated with Lent as well. Choosing to lay down, usually food, but it can be anything really, I believe, that God pinpoints as an area for us to surrender for a season. Because it helps us to again reassess our priorities. Has anything else crept into first place in my life? You know, Mike chose some wonderful songs this morning for us to sing all about that. Jesus, you are Lord of my heart. High King of Heaven, you have my heart. You know, many of you will be aware um, that we've got a week of prayer and fasting starting this Ash Wednesday. I am really, really looking forward to it. Hopefully, most of you will have received emailed notes about that. If you haven't, if you're not on the mailing list for, for one reason or another, please see me afterwards and I can give you some printouts of everything that's going on throughout those seven days and also some hints and tips for fasting as well. But I'm really expectant as we together as a church, choose to fast and pray together. It is a powerful thing. I believe it raises the spiritual temperature of the church. Because a church that is serious in laying down stuff to see God's kingdom increase is a church that will see fruit. Do you believe that? It raises the spiritual temperature 
as we get serious. You know, fasting is a powerfully spiritual act. It is. I think sometimes we can have the tendency to separate the physical from the spiritual. We can see some things as more spiritual than others. God doesn't tend to do that. You know, a great illustration in the Old Testament, God gave some very physical guidelines with all the temple rituals, very physical things that had deep spiritual impact. You say, well, hold on, we're in the New Testament now. You know, in Jesus, we are now a spiritual temple made up of living stones, 1 Peter says. That's true. But Jesus also left us some very physical things that had deeply spiritual impact. One of those things is communion. Very physical act. Eating physical bread, drinking physical wine or juice. It's a meal. A very physical meal, but one that has a deeply spiritual impact. It connects us with Jesus' sacrifice and his forgiveness. Another one's baptism. Again, a really physical act with a deeply spiritual influence and impact on our lives. You know, I think that's why often when people are thinking about getting baptized, that is often the time that opposition comes. Through unbelieving family or friends, but also just that internal struggle. So easily we can think of hundreds of reasons to put it off. But actually, there's only one reason we need to get baptized, and that's Jesus' command. Repent and be baptized, every one of you. What's stopping you? We've got some baptisms coming up on Easter Sunday. What's stopping you? I'm just going to put it out there, leave it with you. But it would be wonderful, wonderful to baptize quite a few people on that Easter Sunday, because it's so much more than just a physical act. We go into the water identifying with Christ's uh, death. And we come out of the water identifying with Christ's resurrection, new life. The old has gone, the new has come. We're new creations in Christ Jesus. Such a powerful act. It powerfully impacts our hearts. And I believe fasting is the same. It's a physical act that has deeply spiritual impact. But the key to all of this, and this is absolutely vital to remember, is faith. Is faith. Without faith, communion is just eating some bread and some wine, drinking some wine. Without faith, baptism is just getting wet with clothes on. Very odd thing to do. Without faith, fasting is just a diet. Might have Physical benefits, but not much spiritual benefit. But when we combine these things with faith, that makes all the difference. Suddenly they become a powerful means of grace through which God actually shapes our hearts. So I'm really excited about this week of prayer and fasting. And I'm saying all this really as, as, as an introduction because God is interested in the whole person. All of this is all about connecting with him in a deeper way. God yearns to have a more intimate relationship with you. 
He yearns for you to be more in sync with him, more in tune with his heart, his ways. And so throughout this series, we're going to be focusing on how we stay more in tune with God through prayer. We're going to be focusing mainly in the area of prayer this morning, through his word, through worship, through the Holy Spirit, for us as individuals, for us as a church, but also for our community. God's heart for our community. We're going to be hearing from Mark Tomlinson next week about that. But that's his desire. So we're moved by his compassion. We're motivated by his desires. Listen, I I spent far too many years in a recording studio to know the impact of -of out-of-tune harmonies. It's deeply uncomfortable. And this is the days before auto-tune, which I have to say is used far too much Nowadays, everything is auto-tuned. You can hear it everywhere. But we used to spend hours, if not days, tracking and tracking harmony after harmony until you get this beautiful, rich sound. And it may be throughout this series, you might recognize areas where you've gone a bit flat. You've gone a bit off-key. Gone a bit out of sync. A bit discordant with what you know to be God's best for your life. Can I just encourage you, it is out of God's love for you. It's out of his grace that he gently draws us back in tune with him, back in sync with him. It's out of a desire for us to experience, as I said, greater intimacy and for us to see greater fruit in our lives. As Jesus said, abide in me, remain in me, Or if you like, stay in tune with me and you will bear fruit, fruit that will last. That's a promise. It's a promise. So we're going to start this week by looking at a psalm, Psalm 37, going to read the first six verses and it gives some real keys here, I believe, how we can approach God in prayer so that our hearts remain in tune with his. So we're just going to go through it, but firstly, let's read it out. Should come up there. Brilliant. Do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. Have you ever done that? It's interesting, isn't it? You think, I'm really struggling here, and yet I'm trying to remain true to God and faithful to his ways, and yet it's hard, and yet I see all these people who couldn't get two hoots about God flourishing. What's all that about? It can be very frustrating, can't it? But don't fret, for like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. But trust in the Lord. Do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn. Your vindication like the noonday sun. It's often said, worrying and fretting is simply meditation without God. If you can worry, you can meditate. If you can meditate, you can pray. (laughs) Because that's really what prayer is all about. It's inviting God into the conversation that's already going on with yourself in your mind and allowing him instead to be the focus 
rather than our problems. That's, that's the, the foundation of prayer. And yet so often, all our worries and our anxiety can, be, can actually draw us away from God. We can say, oh, I don't really have to, I've got too much on at the moment to really, to really kind of develop my relationship with God. I, I'm too busy to worship. Uh, when I get this part of my life sorted out, then I'll start getting serious about God. Have you ever thought like that? I just, I just need to get my act together. Then, then I can start getting serious with God. Can I suggest that is totally the wrong way around? And that's what this passage is also saying. It's saying the exact opposite. It's saying, don't fret, don't get worked up, but turn to God. Invite him into your thoughts and into your concerns. Turning your gaze from your difficulties onto the one who ultimately has all the answers. And it starts in verse 3 with such a simple command. Trust. Trust him. Trust him. Every relationship has to be built on trust. Trust him. Again, we've been looking through this all these last months through our Hebrew series, how we can trust in a faithful God. And this trust, again, as we saw, is not a passive thing. This faith in God is not a passive thing. It can be seen. So straight after we have this command, trust in the Lord, it says, and do good. Our faith is visible. Faith can be seen. But then verse 4, I believe, takes it up a notch. And this is what I really want to focus on this morning, because I believe this is absolutely key for us to remain in tune with God. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. It's such a well-known verse, such a well-known verse, but I, I, I know I personally have, have got the emphasis of this, of this verse the wrong way around. I think so often we start at the wrong place when we read that verse. All the focus tends to be on, and God will give us the desires of our hearts. I want the desires of my hearts met. We all do, don't we? How do we do that? Oh, oh, I've got to delight myself in God, whatever that means. But, But then I'll get the desires of my heart. You know, so often that's the focus. The problem with that is that we miss the link between delight and desire. Can I suggest that if we start with our desires, we will struggle to find delight in God? If our starting place is my desires, it is uphill to find delight in God. Why? Because so often our desires are wrapped up in our own sinful self-centeredness. Often our desires are wrapped up in fear. God, this has to happen because otherwise this will happen. You know, we have such a, a finite, limited view of things. And often our desires are, are limited and shaped and molded by, yes, selfish desires, but also fear. And there's a battle going on, isn't there, in our hearts. Romans 7 describes that very clearly. A battle for our hearts. Thinking about my own prayers. How often do my own prayers just start with my, my desires? 
God, I need this. This is what I want to see. That's the starting point so often. But if we park our desires for the moment, just park them, knowing that God already knows those desires. He already knows the desires of our hearts. He already knows what's going on in us. So if we park them and instead start with delighting in him, let that be the focus, let that be the starting point, suddenly it becomes a whole different ballgame. So what do you delight in? What fills you with deep joy and satisfaction? You know, for some people, it's, it's a job well done, knowing that they're using their giftings and their skills and seeing fruit out of it. Others, it can just be delight in seeing their kids or family members develop and grow. For some, it can be their team winning, just delighting in those that they admire and celebrate, succeeding. For others, it can be just the simple beauty of nature, the beauty of art, the beauty of ice cream. That's mine anyway. I've got a new ice cream attachment actually onto my mixer. Just made some Oreo ice cream that is to die for, although I say it myself. But I might have to bring some in now, mightn't I? (laughs) It's doing no favours. But there we go. What do you delight in? All of us are hardwired to celebrate that which we admire. It's the, the heart of worship, isn't it? We're all desired to celebrate something admirable. And we find deep joy in that. And that's all good. That's all good. But what if our primary source of satisfaction and joy and delight is found in Jesus Christ? What would that look like? Because God never wants to compete for our heart's affections. You know, Jesus declared in Matthew 23, 37, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. Songs we've been singing about, as I said, you've had my heart. You know, we used to sing that song, Lord, you have my heart and I will long for yours. We read in the Psalms as the deer pants for the water, So my soul will thirst after yours. Again in the Psalms, you know, I delight in your law. Really? I find delight in your precepts. You think, wow, there's no hint of competition there. There's no hint of divided affections. The focus of their delight in the Psalms is so clear, so clear. So how do we cultivate this same delight? How do we make delighting in God the primary focus for our lives? Well, I think firstly, it's simply spending time with the object of your affection. It's as I spent more time with Claire as we were dating that I fell more and more in love with her. So as I spend more time with my kids, that I grow to appreciate and admire them even more. Spending time with the one you love and admire. And as we spend more time with God, we we learn to marvel more and more at who he is and what he's done. 
particularly as revealed in Jesus Christ. And I'm not simply talking about you know, our, our specific devotional times, but just all the way through the day. You know, yes, it's good to have specific times of prayer, but listen, prayer is an ongoing conversation with God all the way through the day. John Piper says, all through the day, every good thing that gives us pleasure should be an instance in delighting in God. Every good thing, just going about your day. That's why I love having testimonies on a Sunday. It just gives, however big, however small it might seem, I'm giving it God the glory. I'm delighting in him. All through the day. And as I was thinking about this, I mean, three big areas that are so easy to delight in God in just popped into my head. The first one was delighting in his awesome power. As we look at the news headlines, as we see viruses spreading and and storms blowing and all sorts happening, it's just like, God, I can delight that you are on the throne, that you are sovereign, that you're all-powerful, that nothing takes you by surprise. I can delight in my security in knowing you are powerful. You are God Almighty. You know, as we go for walks in in nature, just marveling at his awesome power of creation. So we stare up at the night sky and just, just remember the heavens declare the glory of God. God, what an awesome God you are. You know, again, I was looking at the storms battering these, these poor people, these, these areas, you know, we prayed for them last Sunday. Please do hold them in your prayers, those who have been affected by the floods and storms. But again, just remembering and delighting that our God is the one who calms the storm. He is powerful. So here's a practical challenge. This week, think about something that reminds you of God's incredible power. Write it down, share it with someone. Could do this in your life groups. What one thing that this week reminds you, wow, God, you're, you're all powerful. You're awesome. Second thing that popped into my head that's very easy to delight in, and that is God's love for us. You know, yes, he is incredibly all-powerful, almighty, yet the Bible says he longs for an intimate relationship with you. He loves you with an everlasting love. He calls you by name. He writes your name on the palm of his hand. He says, you're the apple of my eye. He sings over you. He's gone ahead of you to prepare a place just for you. Just marvel at these things. Listen, it's hard to delight in a God that you're not sure is for you. And yet in Jesus Christ, we know God is so for us. So for us. Please spend some time marveling at these truths, that wonderful love that he has for you. Again, another practical challenge. Write down anything that reminds you this week of God's specific love for you. Ask him to reveal it to you as you go about your week. Write it down. Share it with someone. Third area. There's so many. I mean, I've just plucked three here. We can delight in his salvation. We can delight in his salvation. Isaiah 25, 9. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. The fact that when I was dead in my sin, when I was still rebellious, just hard-hearted, undeserving, Jesus died for me. That is the truth. 
You know, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world. But I love the way Galatians 2.20 brings it closer to home. It says, God so loved me and gave himself for me. He took my mistakes, my shame, my brokenness. And he said, I'll have those. They're mine. And in their place, he said, here, have my righteousness. Have my holiness. Have my glorious inheritance. They're yours. That's amazing, isn't it? The very reason we can even approach this almighty God is because of all that Jesus has done. We stand totally free, confident, clothed in his righteousness. Amazing. We can delight in that. We, we, we have the ear of heaven. He hears our prayers. What an awesome thing we can delight in. And we can go on and on. In fact, please do go on and on exploring things you can delight in God for. Not just this week, right into next year, right in for the rest of your life. You know, because it cultivates a heart of gratitude. It cultivates a heart of thanksgiving. It cultivates a heart that delights in Jesus. Claire suggested, and we've actually done it, that we start up a thanksgiving jar as a family. We don't do this every time because we sometimes forget. But at the end of every week, each one of us write down something we can be thankful to God for, fold it up, put it in the jar. The idea being at the end of the year, we've got a jar packed full of things that we have been able to give thanks to God for. It's again just cultivating a heart of delight in him. Because whatever it is you find delight in is actually what you give your attention to. It's true, isn't it? If you delight in something, you naturally give your time and effort and attention to. And what you give your attention to is what ultimately shapes you. It's so important we get this link, this connection between delight and desire. Because it's as we spend more time in delighting who God is, that's when we find our old desires that we were so wrapped up in actually start changing. They start changing. You know, a, a very simple example of this is, is, is our son. He, he delights in Liverpool FC. He delights in Liverpool. And so anytime, any headline, anything on social media pops up about Liverpool, it's got his attention. He's on it. What's this about? Now, the thing is, because I delight in my son, I too now start getting my attention switched on to Liverpool. And that's saying a lot from someone who grew up in Bath, who didn't even think football was a real game. It was all rugby. You know, no one spoke about football. Suddenly, I'm getting into football. Why? Because I delight in my son, and he delights in football. Suddenly, my desires are shifting. My attention's shifting onto, onto what he delights in. I'm going to embarrass Emily now. She doesn't do this now, she assures me, but she used to watch a lot of makeup videos. And I know this is hard to believe, but I'm not massively into makeup. I'm, I'm not you know, hugely skilled in makeup techniques. But listen, I now know the difference between highlighting and contouring. Thank you. 
I could give you some advice and some tips later after the service. But listen, I take interest in what my children take interest in because I delight in them. I delight in them. As a result, even my interests are changing to things I would not have imagined. And the same happens when we delight in God. We start delighting in what he delights in. And so this psalm is not saying God will give you the desires of your heart as a reward for delighting in him. Please don't read that into that psalm. That's not what it's saying because we don't earn things from God. It's all grace. He has already given us all things we need for life and godliness. He doesn't withhold any good thing. Delighting in him doesn't earn us the desires of our hearts. The reason we must first delight in him is because when we do, we get drawn into what he delights in. Mercy and justice and righteousness, selflessness, living for others. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. As we spend time delighting in his presence, the Bible says, so we're changed. We get transformed from one degree of glory to another as we delight in him, as we delight in his presence. So we start seeing the beauty in what he sees. And rather than uh, our desires being rooted in self or, or in fear, they get rooted in God's heart. And we stay in tune with him. So we start with delight. That leads to our desires being fulfilled. And we're just going to finish with one last D because I love alliterations. Is it an alliteration? Is that the right word? Words all beginning with the same letter? Anyway. And that is discipline. Discipline. Everyone's favorite D. (laughs) Verse 5 says, Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Now I learned something new this week. You know, we're always learning, aren't we? I never found out until I studied this this particular verse this week that actually the Hebrew word used here for commit actually means roll away. That's actually what it means. It means roll your burden away. Suddenly, I'm seeing that verse in a whole new light. When you think about your way ahead, think about your future. Does it feel heavy? Does it feel uncertain? Does it feel like a burden? The command here is roll it onto God. Roll your way onto God. God, this is too much for me to remain in the driving seat. I roll it onto you. You take control. You lead me on. You know, I think sometimes we can be so flippant with the word commit. You know, God, I've planned my day. Oh, I'll commit it to you. Please bless it. Or even our lives. You know, God, I've got my life sorted out. This, 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 this is my plan. Can you just, I, I just commit it to you. Can you just bless it? Actually, no, no. It's saying, I'd roll it onto you. I give it to you. You take control. You lead me on. And that's where discipline comes in. Because everything in us wants to fight to remain in control. 
to remain in the driver's seat, to shape our own way, to be masters of our own destiny. I mean, still, the, the, the most requested song in a funeral is Frank Sinatra's My Way. I did it my way. Yet I really believe the most self-disciplined thing we can do is surrender our lives to Jesus. The most disciplined thing we can do is surrender to Jesus, to roll your life onto him, to stop trying to figure it all out and remain in the driver's seat. It's too heavy a burden. God says, commit your way to me. Roll it this way. I can be trusted. I can be trusted. You know, rather than I did it my way, we should be singing, I rolled it his way. Maybe should we record it? But listen, that's what prayer ultimately is all about, isn't it? It's the discipline of first delighting in God and then allowing our own desires to be shaped by him. And in fasting, as we physically forego food, we're we're literally saying, Jesus, you're my sustenance. As we forego things that distract us, we're saying, Jesus, you have number one slot in my life. It's you who I delight in. It's you who I'm captivated by. You know, prayer says, I am not going to allow this fretting and this anxiety to crowd my mind. I'm going to roll them on to God. And that takes discipline. We've got to be proactive. As 2 Corinthians 10 says, to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. God, I, I take this thought, I roll it onto you. To be proactive in, in, in Philippians 4, the way it encourages us, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy, these are the things I'm going to set my mind on. You know, if there's a battle in our hearts for the desires, there's certainly a battle in our mind as well for our thoughts. That takes discipline. Rather than worry, I am going to find delight in you. I'm going to choose today to delight in you. Jesus, you are going to be the focus of my affections. You are going to be the focus of my attention. And you know, as we do that, the Holy Spirit helps us, empowers us in the process, aligning our hearts with God's. Helping us to cast our cares onto the one who cares for us. It's a choice. It's a choice. I choose to delight in you. You know, as I said, it's hard to delight in in a God you're not sure is for you. But as I said, in Jesus, we know God is so for us. And if God is for us, who can be against us? Romans 8, 32, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, freely give us all things? All things. As we approach this week of prayer, let's make delighting in God our number one priority. Knowing that as we do, he will shape our desires Our hearts will be more in tune with him. And we know that he will give us all things according to his will and his glory. I think it would be good just to worship 
And I just love to pray for us.